This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. We are kicking off a brand new series today called Mindful. And I sincerely believe that if you will lean into what we have for you for the next five weeks, there's victory in places where you've never experienced victory. That God could do something in you that you have never even imagined that he could do. For the past, um, I don't know however long I've been, teaching in a way I believe that leads up to all, all this, what we're going to talk about. And before we get started, I, I want to celebrate last weekend, uh, Easter, not the, not the attendance numbers, that was all good, and I'm thankful for all the people that were in the house last weekend. And, um, but I, I want to celebrate the 29 people last weekend that gave their lives to Jesus, and what, what an awesome thing to be a part of a church where uh, this is literally, this has been a part of the story this year, just people uh, regularly getting saved and giving their lives to Jesus each week. And so what an awesome thing. And, and I just want to say this. Some of y'all served last week, and you know what? When, when, you, when, you are, like, when, when you are part of the team, you get a part of the reward. And, and that means that last, year, last week some of y'all were, were greeting people outside and smile, smiling, giving some high fives, and that's a part of your eternal reward now. You might have been uh, taking care of some babies and some kids, and you might not have even seen the moms or dads, but I want you to know that's now that's a part of your eternal reward when we serve we, we, get, we get a part of what happens in this thing. And so thank you for being a part of that and, and serving. Uh, there are lives that are being changed. M- many of us even in the room, that would be our testimony. Now, I'm excited about this series, Mindful. Um, I, I was preparing for this, and I was, I was listening to Dr. Henry Cloud. He's a Christian clinical psychologist. He's written some, some incredible books. His probably most famous one is it's called Boundaries. It's a, uh, it, it's a staple for counselors and, um, and just a brilliant guy, loves Jesus. And he, he kind of opened his talk with this question. It's a question that I want you to think about. What makes you different than German Shepherd? What makes you? Some of y'all are going, Kevin, you're dumb. I look way different than a German Shepherd. Look at me. This is whatever, you know. I don't know who you are, but that's, you look different. But no, think about it. He, he went on to explain. Every time the doorbell rings, he said, I have a German Shepherd. And every time the doorbell rings, the German Shepherd is convinced that on the other side of that door is his enemy. And he takes off barking, and he takes off running, and he is ready to kill somebody on the other side of that door. He said, you know, I tried for a long time to reason with him and talk to him about it. Hey, buddy, that's the delivery guy. You know that he's got a treat for you. You're his friend last time he was here. You loved him. You pet it. Your tail was wagging. Why are you so mad at the... But he said, every time the doorbell rings, that's what happened. He just takes off barking. So the question, how are you and a German shepherd different? And he answered it this way. He said, you can be conscious of your thoughts and your thoughts pattern. 
Like you can be aware of what's going on in your brain, in your mind. You can think, well, the doorbell rang. That might be a friend. I don't need to get upset. That's what makes you different. And that actually sets us apart when God made humanity. It's what sets us apart, that we can examine the way that we're interacting with the world and we can learn from it and grow. And it's stuff that's happening in our mind. I I don't know about y'all, but I find myself wrestling with and battling things in my mind frequently. Like as a parent, you know, I want to be kind and encouraging, but all of a sudden I'll find myself yelling. I want to be generous and, and to give and to be eternally faithful with what God's trusted me with in this life, but I, I find myself thinking about the next thing that I want to buy. I don't know about you, but I, but I find that, that there are a lot of battles that I'm fighting in my mind. And and I want you to hear this because this is why the next few weeks are going to be so important. Most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. You might think about that and go, well, no, it actually happens with this or this. No, it it is won or lost in your mind. I'm going to show you that today. There's a battle and it's being waged. And I've got some bad news for you today. We'll start out with the bad news. It's that you have an enemy. You might feel safe and secure in your life, but you have an enemy. And that enemy, Jesus said, I came that they might have life, that you might have life and have life to its fullest. But he also said in the same breath that you have an enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy. You've got an enemy that wants to take you out. Jesus is talking about that enemy in John chapter 8. And I want you to see what he says. Look at this. When he, the devil, lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Your enemy that we would call, the Bible gives him a couple different names, Satan, the devil, your enemy speaks his native language is lies. So how, this is the question, how does the enemy want to steal and kill and destroy? His primary method of attacking you is through lies. If the enemy can get you believing a lie, he can get you moving in the direction he wants you to move. His primary method of attack. So think about that. Where's the battlefield if his method of attack is lies? Where's the battlefield for lies? It's the mind. It's the mind. That's where the battlefield is. It's happening in your mind. And here's the good news. Bad news, you've got an enemy. Good news, the war is already won. That's why what we celebrated last weekend when we talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a historical event. The resurrection is an invitation to live a different way of living now where there's death in my life. Death does not have the final say. Jesus has the final say. Resurrection wins. Jesus wins. And as a believer and follower of Jesus, the resurrection defines every single day. Not just Easter Sunday. When you wake up tomorrow, you ought to be thinking about life differently because Jesus is alive. 
Death has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. The grave has been defeated. Jesus is alive, and that should change the way you think about the problems you're going to have tomorrow, the stuff you got to go through, what's going on in your life. It should change the way you process every single day. Every time your eyes wake up, your feet hit the floor, the resurrection should redefine that day because the war is over, but the battle is still being fought. The, the war's already been won, but we're in the battle right now. And so over the next few weeks, what we're actually going to do is we're going to look at some of the words of the Apostle Paul. Y'all might not know who, who Paul is. If, if you know who he was, then just let me explain it for those who don't. The Apostle Paul is, is the author of almost half of what we call the New Testament. He, he's perhaps the most singular, important figure in the emergence of the new church as it emerges. He, he is pivotal in in kind of taking the gospel to those who are not Jews, to Gentiles. That would be like we are now Christians largely because of the influence of the Apostle Paul in the first century. Traveled all over the, the Mediterranean rim, around uh, the Mediterranean Sea, planted churches, but his story didn't start with all of that. When we meet Paul, in, in the scriptures, his name is Saul. He's, he's handling coats during the middle of an execution. They're stoning a young man named Stephen. And it appears that Paul was a part of the leaders who ordered this. And they're, they're killing Stephen by throwing large rocks at him until he passes out, until there's so much traumatic brain injury that he's not ever going to recover. And then in the next chapter, the Apostle Paul is breathing, this is what the Bible says, breathing out murderous threats as he heads to Damascus, Syria, where he's going to basically take care of the church. There's a lot of us that got some stuff in our past, but there's not anybody in this room who's executed somebody just because they believe in Jesus. And he comes face to face with Jesus. And God changes his life. Now imagine carrying that burden. I killed somebody because they believed in Jesus. And now I believe in him. Now I'm following him. Now I'm inviting other people to believe in him. Imagine, he, in the context of his writings, you see the struggle that went on in his mind. He calls himself in one point a wretched man. He made a statement one time that I think many of us can identify with. The things I want to do. I don't find myself doing them. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the things I find myself doing. But if you read through all of it, he's going to show us how to win the battle in our mind. And so for the next five weeks, starting today, we're going to dig into this stuff. And I promise you, there is liberty in this for you. There is some good stuff in this for you. We're going to start with 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It starts with this, For we live in the world, and we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Right? They have divine power to the demolishment 
of, of strongholds. This is why we, we've been gifted power to demolish strongholds. So let me just make a few observations about that. Number one, we're in a war. And it's not the kind of war that we see in this world. Oh, we, we're familiar with that. People get upset at each other, start yelling at each other, might even throw some stuff. We're familiar with that. We can look around the world even right now and with Ukraine and Russia, and we can see what war looks like and how devastating it can be. And the Apostle Paul says, we're in a different kind of war, and because we're in a different kind of war, we need to have different kinds of weapons. And he goes on at the very end in verse 4 to say that our weapons, the weapons we've been given, have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now think about divine power. The word that's used there for power is the Greek word dunamis. We have seen this recently when we've studied the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other most parts of the earth. The word that's used there in Acts 1, 8, the power that is distributed from the Holy Spirit is the word dunamis. Paul is talking, and it's actually, listen, it's actually the word that we derive the word dynamite from. This is not just like, I kind of have a little battery and it's a little low. This is explosive power. This is the kind of power that the Holy Spirit imparts to us. Power, and what is it there for? It's to destroy strongholds. Now, I need to explain what that is because we do not understand that word, stronghold. It's actually a reference to a point in a city. Now, if you're familiar with British um, cities and the way that they were in the medieval times, it would have been called the keep in, in the way that, that throughout Britain, cities and towns were designed. And so cities were fortified with a wall around the outside. Most of us know that. We learned that in, in, in Bible study, that there is walls. But on the interior portion of the city, in the highest point, they would build the stronghold. And this actually is where now we have many castles came from, the structures that were built on top of those large outcrops of, of earth. And so there would be a mountain or hill, and on top of it, they would build that, and then they would surround it by even more fortified walls. And the purpose of this is if the walls were ever breached and the city was ever taken, everybody falls back to the keep. Everybody falls back to the stronghold. And in that, we see a picture of what the enemy wants to do. What does our spiritual enemy want to do? Look at this. Our enemy works to build a prison of lies in your mind, one lie at a time. Our enemy is working to build a prison of lies in your mind one lie at a time. You might say, well, what does that prison look like? Can I just give you some examples? Here's one. You can't trust anybody. You know how they, they, they kind of hurt you and, and did you wrong and they betrayed your trust? You're never going to be able to trust anybody. When they get close, you push them away. Stronghold. You'll never succeed. You failed there. You're going to fail the next time. Don't even bother trying again. You're never going to succeed. Stronghold. You're never going to have a good marriage. You're always going to fight about that. You're never going to be on the same page again. You're never going to have a good marriage. Stronghold. God doesn't hear your prayers. He doesn't listen to you. Do you know how bad you've been? Do you know the mistakes you've made? You're never going to get close to God. Stronghold. 
You're never going to make a difference. You're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to be what you thought you could be. Stronghold. And some of us right now are living with those kind of strongholds in our lives. But look at what the Bible says next. I love it because I, have, I still have that five-year-old boy in me that loves the first part of this. Look at verse 5. We demolish arguments. All right, you give a five-year-old something and you say, hey, take that apart. They don't take it apart. They demolish it, okay? I know I have a five-year-old, okay? And his favorite thing to do is to build Legos and then just crush it, just break it. Can we break it now, Dad? Sure. All right, demolish the arguments. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, I'm going to say something over your life that you need to hear. And I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. Because what I'm about to say, some of you have never, you've, you've thought it, you've heard somebody, but it's never got past your ears to your heart. And I want you to right now, I want you to let this get beyond your ears, beyond your mind, get all the way to your heart. I want you to hear this. You can win the battle for your mind. You can win the battle for your mind. You do not have to walk around in life with a bunch of anxiety, worry, and fear, believing the lies of the enemy anymore. You can win the battle for your mind. You might be asking, well, why is my mind so important? I mean, why would the enemy, if the enemy's going to attack something, wouldn't he have something better to attack? Well, you know the thing about science in the Bible is they actually agree on this. This is why I love truth. Here's what happens. Truth is always going to align with truth. All right, that's why you live in a world where right now we're, we've started kind of propagating the idea of subjective truth. It's true for you, then it's true for you. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Truth is truth, and truth will always align with truth. Cognitive behavior psychology, which is a branch of psychology, shows that there's a deep connection between the way that we live in our life and the way that we, we think in our life. There's, there's a, a deep connection between our thoughts and our behavior patterns. For example, uh, relational challenges, stuff that we deal with in relationships. Am I, am I believing the best or believing the worst? Do I have stuff like eating disorders, addictions, uh, some forms of anxiety? These are often the direct results of toxic thoughts. that They originate in the mind originate in the mind. And I, I want you to hear what I'm about. Why is the mind so important? Number one, your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I think, think about that. What, what is the stuff that just, like, it, when, when it kind of drops in your heart and in your head, you can't get past it? It might be fear. It might be bitterness. It might be woundedness. It might be a desire. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, I, I want to just take a moment and talk about that because it needs to be explained. Some of y'all might have noticed. As he thinks in his heart, Kevin, we don't think in our heart. Well, this is in, in, in Proverbs. And one of the concepts in the Bible is that we're three-part beings. This is why we talk about eternity because we have a spirit that is eternal. 
This flesh is going to die one day. But I have a, a flesh, my body, I'm body, soul, and spirit. And, and, and for the writers of the Bible, the, the soul is really the concept of the heart and the mind put together. Have you, you've experienced this, right, where, where you start thinking about something and then just the heart drops, right? It's connected. And there's sometimes just your heart is, is full, your heart is full, and it spills over into the way you think. They're connected. It's your soul. And as you think in your heart, so goes your life. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. See, number two, if you're, you're taking notes, the, the life you live is a reflection of the thoughts you think. It, it, if you've paid attention, there's something that happens on the inside, and then it begins to reflect on the outside. Now, I need to just say something that, that is going to push a little bit against some of the stuff that our world might teach you. You do not manifest stuff in your life because you think about it. Y'all listen to me. In, in Genesis chapter 1, God creates through his words. He never shares that attribute with us. That solely belongs to him. What happens is what is given birth to in my heart then reflects on the outside. Let me explain. You think you can't? Are you going into something? I ain't going to be able to do this. You probably won't. But if you're going into something and it's going to be challenging, but in your heart you're like, I, I think I can, you'll probably figure out a way to do it. If you dwell on your problems, you just think about your problems, all your mind is captivated with is your problems, you're probably going to be overwhelmed. But if you're looking for solutions to your problems, you're probably going to see some. What's going on on the inside finds a reflection on the outside because of number three. Look at this. Whatever fills your mind comes out in your life. This is why this series is so pivotal. We have got to be aware of what our mind is filled with. We need to be mindful. Y'all listen to me. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. And for far too many of us, our, our minds go to the negative. Our minds go to the worldly. Our minds go to the fearful. Can we just pause right now and do a little thought reflection, okay? I want to do, do this. I want to give you a chance just to do a little evaluation of where your mind is, which is going to let you know if you need this. I'm going to go ahead and tell you we all need it, Okay. I can go ahead and tell you that. But let's do, this is in your notes. This is on, on your page as you're taking notes. You're going to score yourself on three different uh, kind of scales. And the first one is worried to peaceful. Where are you on the worried to peaceful? Worried. Let me give you an example of what worried means. I'm worried about what people are going to think about me if I do that. When I'm alone and nothing's happening, I'm worried about my kids. How are they doing? Are they okay? Everybody's okay. That phone rang. Is somebody hurt? Uh, what's my future going to be like? Am, am I going to be alone? What's happening? Do I have enough money to make it? Do I have enough money to pay that bill? Is my job secure? Well, I felt a little sick this morning. Is my health okay? Worried. Are you peaceful? Are you secure in God's promises? I, I know that there's a lot of things that are out of my control. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to live at peace. Where are you? Put your number down right now. Where are you? Worried to peaceful. 
The next one is negative to positive. What, what are the texture of the thoughts that are going on in your mind? Negative to positive. Where are you? You have a number for that first one. Where's your number for this one? Negative. I'm critical of people. And, and you know, I, I just look, it's easy for me to find fault in somebody. I can see when they're messing up. I can find the things that aren't right. I'm not really content in life. I'm not happy with what I have. I'd love to have something different. I'd love for things to be different. You know, if, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm kind of hard to deal with. I'm not easy to deal with. I'm, I'm so busy that I don't have time to address that. I'm negative. Or is it positive? Are, are your thoughts, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really know all the, the circumstances. I'm, I'm going to choose to believe the best in people. My, my life's not perfect, but it's good. I'm, I'm really optimistic about my future. Where are you? Negative to positive. And then this last one, which is so important for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Where are you in the tension between a worldly and eternal mind? Where are you? A mind that's worldly is consumed with this life. I need to get those clothes or I'll never be in style. And I need that friend or if I don't have that friend, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be alone. I, I need that house or that car. I, I, need, I need to go on that trip. I, I need those people to like me consumed with this life or do you have an eternal mind? I'm focused on making an eternal difference. I, I, you know, I've been given a lot, and I'm constantly thinking about how can I give it away? How can I give this away? It's not about me. God blessed me so that I can be a blessing. I want to reach people. I don't just have a job. I have a calling. And tomorrow morning when I get up and I get ready to go in, the question on my mind is, God, how are you going to use this day for your good? I know that there's a purpose for it. Where are you? Where are you? I already know. I already know where our scores are. You need to look at those right now and ask if you're happy with that. Are you happy with your minds where they are? Are you happy with your thoughts where they are? Are you happy with letting it be? Because here's why. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I've said that already. You're going to hear that every single week. Your life is heading that direction. Are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? Are you excited about it? Are you excited? When you look over that scale and you see that I've, I want to make a difference, but i got a real worldly mind. I want to live at peace, but I'm worried all the time. Are you excited about where it is? Because please, everybody look at me for a moment. This is not something that you blame on somebody else. The condition of your mind is not somebody else's fault. It's your fault. If you don't like where your mind is, you don't blame it on that happened and that happened. Listen, there are people who have walked through everything you've walked through. And they come out on the other side with a positive mind, an eternal mind. Listen, don't blame where you are on what you've been through. It's personal. And I can say that because it's personal for me. About two months ago, I called my counselor and said, I need to see you again. I've seen the same counselor for 15 years. I said, hey, there's... There's a lot of stuff that's happened, and 
I don't know how to deal with it. I could deal with one or three, but the 25 of them, I don't, I don't, the, the last two years has just left a mark. And I wrote it all out for him, which is kind of, if y'all know me, that makes sense. Um, this wrote, it's like a seven page document, single space. Um, he's reading it and he's going through it and he's looking at me. He's only done this. And I've been seeing it for 15 years, he's only done it twice. He threw the paper down. And, and this is stuff I've, I've cried about, I've mourned, I've hurt over. He threw the paper down and he looked at me and he said, there's so much of this that's out of your control. It's people doing things. And you make it happen, you didn't do it. And it's really, it's not even like relational in nature, it's spiritual in nature. And he looked at me and he said, you realize that you're under attack, right? You realize you have an enemy that wants to take you out, that wants to destroy your life, that wants to ravage your heart, that wants you to live in worry and fear and peace and brokenness and down. You have an enemy. And as he threw that paper down, he looked at me and he said, you got to fight back. You got you don't don't you sit there and take it. You got an enemy that's coming after you. You got to fight back. And I want you to hear this today. This is for all of you. It's sitting for your neighbor, it's sitting for your husband, it's sitting for your kid. This is for you. If you're in this room right now, it's for you. You got to learn to fight back. You do. You gotta learn to fight back over what's happening in your mind. And I'm gonna give you some things real quick that you can do to fight. First one, identify the biggest stronghold that's holding you back. Stop thinking about somebody else. Stop thinking about what's happening to them or in them. This is what they, they need to hear. You. What's the biggest stronghold that's holding you back? Are you somebody in here? You believe the lie. I'm not good enough. I'm never gonna be good enough. I can try as hard as I want. I will never be good enough. Maybe you believe the line, my past is too bad. God will never be able to use me because I know what I've done. Maybe you've believed the lie. I, I'll never be able to trust somebody. They hurt me. They hurt me. I see the pattern. I'm not going to trust anybody. Maybe you're in here today and the, the battle that you fight and the lie that you've believed is around your body image. I'll never lose weight. I'll never be happy with where I am. I'm going to battle weight until I die. Maybe today the, the lie that you've believed is, I can't get close to God. I, I, my prayers are never going to reach God. I'm never going to know God. He doesn't love me. Maybe today you're coming in out of a season where relationships have been broken. And you've believed the lie that all the relationships I'm ever going to have are going to be broken. Identify. Identify the stronghold that's holding you back. Be able to name it, see it, understand it. And then number two, commit to becoming mindful about what's filling your mind. We need to understand that I'm not supposed to, in this world, be a passive consumer of what this world is trying to sell me. Far too many of us do not examine what we're actually ingesting emotionally and mentally. We just, oh, look at that TV show. Oh, look at that movie. We don't think about it. 
And we need to consciously understand what's happening as we ingest what's coming into our lives. Go back to the science. Here's one thing that that cognitive behavior psychology would say about the way that we think every thought that you have creates a neurochemical change in your body. Every thought. If you have negative thoughts, what happens is it create, and it can create a chemical snowball where all of a sudden it begins to change the chemical makeup of your brain, which is why when you start and you let that thing roll, you're going, I don't know how to get out of this. It just feels like it's all rolling downhill. But on the opposite end, positive thoughts create a, a opposite end snowball pushing the other direction. It actually, it, you have a, a surge when you have positive experiences, positive thoughts, you have a surge of what's called rewarding neurotransmitters or dopamine. So we know this based on the way that young kids use social media. So for example, you take somebody under the age of 22, they post a picture on Instagram, some of us well into our 50s, same thing, okay? Post a picture on Instagram, all of a sudden you start getting likes and comments and likes and comments, surge of dopamine. It's addictive. Same thing happens when you get your hair cut and you walk into work on Monday and everybody goes, oh, girl, you look so good. Surge of dopamine, all right? We got to learn to be mindful. We have to commit to be mindful about what's filling our minds. Because sometimes what's happening as we just passively consume is we're filling our minds with negative things and trying to have a positive life. That ain't going to work. Can I just, I just, I didn't say this in the first one. This is not in my notes. But some of y'all, Y'all need to stop watching like Real Housewives of whatever show that is. Where the Kardashians or whatever it is that's filling your mind with relational drama. Because then what happens is when you get filled with that, that's what you expect in your life. Some of y'all need to get out of the patterns of receiving because the patterns of receiving and ingesting are setting the pattern for what you're expecting in your life. We need to be mindful about what's filling our minds. And then number three, create space to do the work. Create space in your life to do the work. I just want you to know this ain't gonna happen on accident. You're not going to win somewhere. You got an enemy who's real intentional. And out of all the things, right? Out of all the things that are sinful and broken that the enemy embodies, one that he never embodies is laziness. He is going to relentlessly come after you and you're going to have to put in the work to fight back. What's the work that we're supposed to do? We actually saw that already. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, we're told, this is the work, that we are to demolish strongholds and arguments. Demolish them. Like my five-year-old, when he's built a Lego house, and he's like, Dad, can I break it? Absolutely. Demolish that thing. Let's break it. I'm telling you, you got some stuff in your mind that needs to be broken up. Can we just go back to the science? Here's how we understand that thoughts work. Your, 
You have billions of, of cells in what are called pathways in your brain, neural pathways. All right, so what happens is the more often you think stimulus to response, right? The more often you do something, it starts to create a pathway. All right, so let me give you an example. They didn't call me. I haven't heard from my kids. They must have been in an accident. The more that you do that, the more easy that becomes to become your default. That's where the stimulus provokes that pathway of response in your brain, okay? So what's a stronghold? A stronghold is having the wrong thought patterns. Which is why some of us would be like, I'm just stuck in a rut. You literally are stuck in a rut. Like with the way your brain works. So what are we told here to do? Here's the work. We're demolishing them because I'm going to have new thoughts. I'm going to have, I'm going to come after this. How do we have new thoughts? Second Corinthians 10 verse five says, take those thoughts captive. I've got to learn to take those thoughts captive. And the Bible goes on to say, make them obedient to Christ. All right. So what I've got to do is I've got to learn to think in a different way. When you learn to think in a different way, you create a new pathway in your brain. I didn't hear from them. They must be busy. I didn't hear from them. They might be having a good time. I didn't hear from them. I'm going to trust God with them. New way of thinking. And the more you do that, the more you walk that path, the more that you choose that, the easier that path becomes to choose. And the more you stay off the old path, the more that you stay away from that line of thinking, the weaker that pathway becomes and the harder it is to actually go back and think that again. So we need to commit to doing the work. I mean, one of the things I've told you already, you've got to identify your biggest stronghold. Just one, okay? It might be I'm not lovable. I'm never going to be good enough. I don't deserve anything good in life. Identify that stronghold and name it. This is gonna, you're going to need this for the next few weeks. This is why you cannot defeat what you cannot define. Unless you're willing to take a step back and define the war that you're in, you're never going to win it. I've said it this way before years ago. If you're playing the wrong game, you're not going to win it. Let's put it in this context. If you're fighting the wrong battle, you're not going to win. If you're fighting the wrong battle, you're never, ever, ever going to win that battle. And hear me out. This is for free. Every battle ain't yours to fight. As a matter of fact, there are very few battles that are yours to fight. In life, it's either God's battle, their battle, or my battle. And just to clarify this for you, what's going on in your brain is your battle. What's going on in their brain is their battle. So for all y'all thinking they really need to hear that, I wish they would actually do this. No, done. It's ain't for somebody, this is for you. So how do we fight? We take those thoughts captive. Number four, identify the truth that demolishes your stronghold. Identify the truth. Go back to 2 Corinthians 
10.5. Let's look at that again. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every cap, every captive, or we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I take every thought captive, and my intention in taking it captive is to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Now, y'all look at me because I want to show you something that I saw when I was studying for this message that is so good. In the Greek, the language that's there, it says we take every thought captive. The word that's used in the original text is actually a war terminology. It would have been um, something that they would use when they were describing a war if you forcibly took somebody captive with the use of a sword. Now here, let me make the connection. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible lists out our spiritual weapons. And all of them are defensive weapons, except one. There's a helmet, there's a breastplate, there's shield, but there's an offensive weapon that we're given to fight with. And it's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. The way that we fight the lies is with the truth of God. Can I give you an example? For example, let's say that your stronghold is, I'm not enough. I'm never going to be enough. I'm not going to mount anything. I, I know that God uses them and them and them, but I'm not enough. You know what the truth is? This is so liberating. The truth is I'm not enough. That's the truth. It's just twisted. Because God ain't never going to call me to something I can do on my own. God's going to call me to something that I'm going to need Him. I'm going to need to trust Him and rely on Him and, and find my strength in Him and find my purpose in Him and find my direction in Him. God's not going to call me to do something that I'm going to do on my own. Why would He ever do that? Because then I'm going to go do it on my own. God's going to call me to something that I'm going to need Him. I'm going to need to rely on Him. I'm going to need Him to show up or it ain't even going to work. So where's the truth that I can anchor that. First Peter, or Second Peter chapter one, verse three. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything. I'm not enough. No, you listen to me. I'm alone, I'm not enough. Yeah, you're right. But here's the truth. With him, I'm more than enough because his divine power has given me everything I need to live the life that he's called me to live. I've got all the time I need. I've got all the patience I need. I've got all the energy I need. I've got all the wisdom. I've got all the relationships, all the resources. You can get away with that line. Yeah, you're right. You know what? I'm not enough, but I'm not enough to do it on my own. But with him, I'm more than enough. And what's the Bible say? John 8, 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Y'all listen to me. You can win. You can win this war. You might be thinking about your day and your week and thinking, I can't get it all done. There's no way it's going to be done. But the truth is you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You might be in here today going, listen, I don't feel attractive. Nobody's going to love me. But the truth of the Bible is that God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You might be in a tough season where you've let your attitude come under attack. And you might say, I'm miserable. I'm not happy. I got what I wanted and it wasn't what I wanted. 
and you need to return to the promise of the Bible. I'm, I'm miserable, but you know what? The joy of the Lord is my strength, and I'm going to return to my relationship with God. You might come in today feeling like you're all alone, and nobody loves you, and nobody's walking with you in life, but the truth of the Bible is that you're not alone. God is with you. He promised that he would never, ever, ever forsake you. You might have came in today believing that you're a victim, that life happens to you, that this happened and this happened and this happened and I got all the excuses in the world but I want you to hear me, the truth of the Bible is that you're not a victim that's what the enemy calls you the Bible calls you an overcomer and if the Bible calls you an overcomer you can look into the heart of the enemy and say I'm not going to take up the name that you want to give me, the Bible says, my Lord says, my God says that I'm an overcomer that's who I'm going to be, I'm not going to be a victim anymore. Capture the lies and replace them with the truth. Don't stay locked in that stronghold. You know, I've told you that you can win, and the truth is, is that you can, but alone, by yourself, you can't. You can't win the battle for your mind on your own. Not doing your own thing, living your own way, you win with Jesus. That's why the declaration of last weekend is so powerful. The resurrection. Jesus, who on the cross bore our sins, who rose again to new life. Y'all listen to me. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the promised Holy Spirit from Acts 1-8, you will receive power. It's the very same power that is now alive inside of me to demolish strongholds, to tear down lies, and to fight the enemy. You can win the battle for your mind. You can win. You know what you can Identify your stronghold. Be mindful about what you're filling your mind with. And make space in your life this week to do the work. You've got an enemy who's going to attack you, but there is freedom in Jesus. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.